From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Every day this week, we're covering a different aspect of the coronavirus. Today, we speak to Rick Morton about the race to find a vaccine. This is part four, the Australian scientists who could beat coronavirus. Rick, six weeks ago, you spoke to some Australian scientists at the University of Queensland, and they were just at the very beginning of their research into a vaccine at that point. Can you tell me a bit about the team? Yeah, so the team's led by Professor Paul Young, who's at the Molecular Biology and Chemistry School in University of Queensland. And they've got about 18 other team members. So there's 20 of them. It's not a huge uh, number of people, but they're some of the smartest people in vaccine science going around. Rick Morton is a senior reporter at the Saturday paper. And this is a story that is so remarkable in terms of the technology uh, and the man hours and the woman hours involved. I mean, they have been working 24-7, basically, uh, without a day off since then. And they could, in theory, produce a vaccine from start to finish, that is, from the identification of a new virus to the first human clinical trials in 16 weeks, which is unheard of. (laughs) You know, that is a a crazy timetable. So they knew that all of this stuff was kind of on paper. They knew they could do it. They just had to kind of buckle up and get in there and start the work. Rick, when you first spoke to this team, what was that interview like? I mean, they're they're a team of professionals, right? And this is their job. Um, Paul Young was very matter of fact. He's saying, this is what we do. This is what we prepared for. I guess ambitious, is it, uh, your current project in attempting to get a vaccine for the novel coronavirus? Ambitious is certainly the the word for it. Um, But we've been planning for this for some time now. We Mm. have a... a, um... And it was almost like they were being called to war because they knew that they were giving up this time with their families. They knew that they were giving up their weekends. Up till now, there's, it's late night working and, uh, and weekends as well. So it, it is a constant, um, a constant run in the lab at the moment. And I asked him about that. I'm like, how does that feel? And he's like, well, we know it's, uh, you know, we know it's for a short period of time. Absolutely. Um, the speed with which the global health community is responding to this is unprecedented. Um, so when I first spoke to them, they, they had notions that they might be able to do this, but they really hadn't started the work properly yet. They'd only been in there for a couple of days. And so, you know, it could have gone either way. It could have gone either way. So a lot has happened since that first phone call. The virus has spread across the world, infections are growing every day, and we've started to shut down huge sections of society. Where is the team at now in the quest to develop this vaccine? Well, they actually exceeded their own expectations, this team. I mean, within three weeks of starting work, they had found what they call the candidate vaccine. And that basically that means that is their pick for a vaccine that could work. So what happened was they had a technology. It's called a molecular clamp, and it's a, it's a patented technology. And this technology essentially allows different parts of a synthetic virus, a fake virus, if you will, to be manipulated by this molecular clamp. And ironically, the very thing that gives it its name, the coronavirus, the crown is the thing that can turn against the virus because this virus is surrounded by what looks like a crown of thorns and these little kind of barbed arrows. And when they get in the human body, the way that they bind to the host 
is by kind of shooting off the surface of the virus and into the particular gene or protein in the human body. So this molecular clamp, they know in theory, could be used to hold that barb in place to stop it from firing off into the host cell. And essentially what that does is it allows the human body to recognise that this is a bad thing in the body and to fight it with an immune response without actually making any active part of the virus that could harm us. So it's an incredibly clever and deceptively simple idea that they've come up with. So they've actually got a potential vaccine. What, what are the next steps? So once they've got their pick for a vaccine, they have to start doing animal studies and animal testing. Uh, they have to seed it in a live cell which basically means plant it in a live cell. So they used the frozen ovary cells of Chinese hamsters, which are a cousin of the guinea pig, to get them to uh, this lab in Melbourne, in Clayton, which is kind of co-run by the CSIRO and CSL, which is a vaccine manufacturer. And so they're now going to be starting to make batches of this vaccine down there uh, that can be used in animal testing studies. And for reasons that are perhaps probably obvious, they don't go into a lot of detail about what that involves. But essentially, usually these things involve uh, monkeys or macaques because they've got very similar genetic makeup to humans. But very quickly now, we're ready, we're almost ready to go to human trials, which will begin around June. So you're saying that we could be doing human trials here in Australia by June. Does that mean that the Australian team would be the first in the world to bring the vaccine to market? It's possible. In fact, they're, you know, they're looking very uh, likely at the moment that they might be the first. But there is uh, essentially uh, a global race to find a vaccine. We'll be back in a moment. As a a 7am listener... You're already familiar with many of the journalists who work for The Saturday Paper. For a limited time, subscribe to Australia's leading independent news source, The Saturday Paper, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points. Sign up today at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Every second is critical for scientists battling coronavirus, but now there's a new hope for a vaccine. Australian researchers say they've successfully mapped the human body's immune responses to coronavirus in a patient. The initial stages of clinical trials are already underway in China, Europe and the US. Volunteer Jennifer Haller was the first person in the world to be inoculated as part of a safety test. But with at least 41 vaccines in development around the world, there's a very good chance at least one of them will work. Rick, we're talking about the race to find a vaccine for coronavirus. Can you tell me about the different approaches that are being taken by different research teams? It's, it's quite important to note that because there are, you know, as many ways to make a vaccine as there are days of the week. And, you know, the Australians have a completely revolutionary approach with the molecular clamp, um, which doesn't require any live virus at all. Now, the Americans are using uh, what is essentially a fake particle, a nanoparticle, wrapped in an organic fatty layer, which is uh, the viruses are all covered in a lipid fat layer. 
and they're using messenger RNA and that combination to um, kind of provoke the human immune system, um, which is what vaccines do. Uh, so that's another completely different technology. And the Chinese are using type 5 adenovirus, which is a very common, mostly harmless, uh, relatively harmless, I should say, virus in animals. And they're swapping out the genetic information with a transgene. So basically pumping in a coded message that they want into the middle of this relatively harmless virus and then using that as a vaccine to, again, provoke the, the immune system in the human patient. So three very different technologies. And the important thing to note about that is depending on which one wins and who gets there first, that will change where this thing is manufactured um, and how quickly it can be manufactured and how many doses we can get off the production floor in a certain period of time because they've all got their own drawbacks, they've all got their own advantages. The Chinese will probably get there relatively soon, but they tend to do that, how to say this delicately, by cutting a few corners when it comes to the medical research. Um, there's no doubt that the vaccine may well be effective, but they, they can do tests uh, in human subjects sooner uh, without some of the necessary hurdles that you'll find in, in other countries around the world, like Australia and America. And I'm actually speaking to a whole bunch of experts this week to find out exactly where we are in the global race for a vaccine and its manufacturing um, for this weekend's Saturday paper. So um, hopefully we'll be able to answer some of those questions. Is there a risk then that this competition could mean that the process gets rushed and what would the consequences of that be? It's a good question. And yes, that is always a possibility. In, in fact, you know, we've got cases in, uh, around the world where, you know, the swine flu vaccine, there were some production errors in that vaccine that had it recalled by, you know, the French, I think, recalled 800,000 doses and the Canadians did as well. So, you know, you don't want to rush these things. And, and the people working on them are incredibly cautious human beings. They're not ones prone to kind of aberrations of hope or optimism. They're very cautious about what they do. But we do, the world needs this, right? And so there is a balancing act between how quickly we need to get the population or a lot of the population vaccinated versus the testing that needs to be done to make it right. So, Rick, once the vaccine has been developed and approved, how long do you think it'll be before people can actually get it? That depends on whether we pull off the astounding trick that is parallel processing, uh, which essentially means that if we can manufacture at the same time that the trials are being done, which is the University of Queensland's aim, they want this thing to be essentially stockpiled while the trials are being completed so that the moment it clears the final test in human subjects, we've got batches of this vaccine ready to go. That would be a phenomenal um, outcome. But even so, that's, you know, minimum nine months away. Um, although Paul Young said a couple of days ago that it wouldn't be before a year. So, you know, we've still got a year of this thing to ride out. We've still got a year of the economic consequences. Uh, we've got a year of the health consequences. So it's going to be a tough 12 months. It's going to be really difficult for a lot of people. And I think... Um, there's a lot of hope placed on these vaccines. And I think the hope comes in not necessarily that we're going to magic this thing away, but it comes in the, in the fact that these are really incredibly smart people who have broken land speed records when it comes to developing vaccines. We have never in human history created a candidate vaccine in three weeks. Um, it has not been done. That's where the hope comes into it. I mean, we are working faster than we ever thought possible 
um, but it's still going to require everyone else to wait it out because this thing isn't going anywhere for at least 12 months. Rick, thank you so much for talking to me and really looking forward to reading your piece in the Saturday paper. Ah, thank you, Ruby. Mahler's music embodies the very essence of humanity. Experience his epic Song of the Earth with the Australian Chamber Orchestra, Richard Tognetti and internationally acclaimed opera stars Stuart Skelton and Catherine Carby. Opens May 12. Book now at aco.com.au. And an update on the latest coronavirus measures introduced by the government. The Prime Minister has announced that Australia is moving to stage two restrictions. From today, a number of businesses, including beauty salons, amusement parks and auction houses, will be required to close. Shopping centres will remain open, but food courts will be restricted to takeaway only. Outdoor personal training sessions will be limited to 10 people, while weddings will be limited to five people, including the couple and the celebrant. Funerals will be limited to a maximum of 10 people. Supermarkets, pharmacies, banks, petrol stations, food delivery and bottle shops will remain open. The WA government has announced that Rottnest Island will be used as a quarantine zone to house 800 Australians who will arrive on board a cruise ship today. The passengers will spend 14 days in self-isolation on the island. And the New South Wales and federal governments are blaming each other for the Ruby Princess cruise ship debacle, in which nearly 3,000 passengers disembarked even when there were signs of coronavirus on the ship. 133 passengers have tested positive for the virus, and that number is expected to rise significantly. Ruby Princess passengers account for one in eight of all New South Wales coronavirus cases. Tomorrow on 7am, part five of our series on coronavirus will cover what the pandemic has exposed about our politics. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow. Tomorrow.